0: About me, my glory, and the lifter of my hand. I cried aloud to the Lord, and He answered me from His
1: holy hill. Hi there, welcome to the Kids' Way Podcast. We are a podcast committed to helping kids stay in the way of the King. And if you've never heard of King Jesus, well, get ready. You are going to love him. We pray that you would also learn more about what it means to be on his narrow way. We also use various tools to encourage and teach, from fictional stories to scripture reading to music and sometimes even bringing in some kids to contribute. You can find us online at www.kidsway.ca, and there you will find links to our Facebook page and also other info about Kidsway. Before getting into today's episode, we want to thank Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music collection. If you would like to check out more of Jamie's music, you can find him at soulmusic.ca. That's www.solmusic.ca. Well, let's get to the story. We pray you are encouraged and pointed to King Jesus through today's episode.
0: Oh oh
2: Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Kids Way Podcast. And today, we're going to be concluding our study on the book of James. And so, in order just to get a good overview of this letter, we're going to read it from beginning to end. And really, that's how the early churches would have first received this letter and then would have no doubt read it in its entirety together. And so, sometimes it's nice to just sit down, even if you're reading your Bible or someone's reading for you, just listen to a whole book in one sitting and sometimes we pick up things that maybe otherwise we might miss like themes that go throughout the letter, things that are repeated or emphasized uh, in different places. So I'm just going to start off James 1 starting at verse 1 and we'll read through to the end of this letter. So James chapter 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, he will pass away for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the gla- the grass its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which god has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, But a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Or if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world? to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law, as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not, mur- uh, if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is at a blaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire and a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast, and in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth And you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. And there we have this letter from James, who was the brother of Christ. He was the the son of Mary and Joseph. And James came to also believe upon the Lord Jesus as the Messiah. And it's believed that James spent many years in Jerusalem as a pastor, as an elder, and was teaching there and providing leadership. And we see even throughout the the book of Acts that James was very involved in the life of the church. And so we have this letter that he gives. And we spent the last Sunday just looking at the last two verses, 19 and 20, which I think in many ways indicate why James writes letter? letter? What, what is he hoping to accomplish through this letter? Well, you see, James wants the people of God to abide in and live out the truth. That he does not want to see people wander from the path, but he wants them to walk faithfully with the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he wants to see the Christians endure in times of suffering to the glory of God. He wants them to love God and to to trust him and to love their fellow man, whether they are a poor person or a rich person. He wants us to be um, humble that we don't boast about the things of tomorrow. He wants our faith to be living and active. And as we know, the Holy Spirit inspired James to write this letter. And so this comes not just as the word of James to us, but the word of God through James as it is given by the Holy Spirit. So just a few thoughts about the final couple verses here, verse 19 and 20. James says, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. And I think that's exactly what James is aiming to do. Sometimes his letter may seem harsh. It may seem offensive to us. He says some very difficult things, things that are convicting. But James, I believe, is doing this in the truest expression of love which would point us to the truth and call us to walk faithfully upon it. And he gives this picture, if you could imagine, somebody walking on a narrow road, and uh, maybe you've read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, where he has the the image of a Christian who's walking upon the, the king the way of the king. Uh, and and he's on his way to the Celestial City. And all along the way, there are various um, pitfalls or false prophets that are trying to lead him astray, to distract him from what he's doing. Uh, There's at one time, Pilgrim or Christian finds himself at Doubting Castle, and uh, he was trying to take a path that was a little easier on the feet. And so they went off of the, the path of the king and ended up in Doubting Castle. And the Lord delivered him out of that, and and it's this picture of walking upon a path. Well, that's sort of what James is getting at here, this picture of walking in the truth, walking on the path that is the truth, and the danger of walking off of that path, as he says, wandering from it. Now, this would be, uh, in the Christian life, it could be going after false teaching, things that are not consistent with what the Bible teaches, and beginning to believe in those things, trust those things, would be a form of wandering off the path. Also, James references this person that wanders off the path as a sinner. So it could be when we give ourselves over to the sin that Christ died to save us from. Um, Maybe it's giving yourself over to anger or to gossip, the misuse of the tongue. It could be lying or stealing um many forms of sin as we see in the scriptures and to to give ourselves to those things un- and, and not be repentant before God, that would also be a form of wandering off the path. So what exactly is this path of truth? How do we how do we abide in it? Because that seems to be what James believes is very important. Well Jesus used a similar image. In Matthew 7, 13, we're told to enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to eternal life. So Jesus uses a similar picture of a walking a narrow path, entering through a narrow gate um, to make our way to the kingdom of God. So what is the truth? Well, in John eighteen thirty seven, Jesus is talking with Pilate. Pilate, who was the Roman official who would basically hand Jesus over to the to the the Jews to be flogged, and um, Pilate would in the end be responsible for having Christ crucified at the, the wish of the the Pilate of the Jews, rather. And and Jesus tells Pilate that he has come to manifest the truth, and that all who Love the truth. Listen to Jesus. So Jesus says he's come down from earth to display, to reveal, show the truth. And this is consistent with what John says at the beginning of his gospel in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we know that God has given us his word, which is the truth. But you see, just as Jesus told the Pharisees in John uh, 5 39, that all scripture um, points to him, he said that they, they were searching the scriptures because they thought in them they, they had eternal life, but it's the scriptures that testify of Christ. So Jesus is the truth, he is the, the incarnation of the truth, the revelation of the truth. And it's to Christ that Scripture points, and it's Jesus whom Scripture reveals to us. This is why Jesus would say things like, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to me, uh, comes to the Father, but by me." In John 14:6, and um, and so when we talk about the truth, we're we're talking not just about an idea or a philosophy, but we're talking about a person. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the God-Man, who came to this earth to reveal uh, truth to us, to who 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 John says in in as we said in one fourteen, he came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is the same idea that James has in his letter. Do you remember in uh, chapter one eighteen we just read? that James says we were brought forth by the word of truth. And in, in chapter 1, verse 21, we're to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. And in verse 25 of chapter 1, James says it's as we look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, which we could also describe as the word of God that points us to Christ. He says when we look into it and persevere in so doing, then we are going to walk in this and become doers of the word. So this word of truth, the truth who is Christ revealed through the word is how we are saved. We're brought forth by this word, he says. We're kept by it as we uh, receive this implanted word with meekness. We're saved. It's able to save our souls. This is the idea of, of ongoing preservation of the Christian through the word. And we will begin to live out this word as doers, as we abide in it. So in a real sense, sin or disobedience against God could be described as, James does in chapter 3, verse 14, as being false to the truth. Evil behavior is synonymous with being false to the truth. It's not just doing bad things, but it's Walking in lies, walking in falsehood. It's rejecting the truth, which then produces a sinful, wicked life instead of abiding in the truth, loving the truth, which would produce uh, a life of righteousness and a life of doing, living the word. John MacArthur said, Those who reject God's word also reject the principles of godly living it teaches and shun the only power for obedience truth and virtue go together, as do falsehood and evil behavior. Despite any outward profession of faith they might make, those who live in open defiance of God's revelation in scripture do not belong to him. So you see, we must come to see and understand and love the truth for truly going to follow Christ. In fact, this is how we are saved. We are brought forth by the word of truth. We We hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has died for sinners that we might be forgiven, that he lived a perfect life, and that he was raised to life on the third day. And as we hear this message, it's the Spirit of God who uses that word to bring life into our souls and to bring forgiveness and reconciliation to God. And we are made a new creature. This all happens through the word as we see and put our faith in Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, Jesus would say in John eight thirty two, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, James gives us a picture of going after someone who is, from the truth, from walking in righteousness, from trusting in Christ and we're to go after them and use the truth of God's Word to Lord willing, bring them back. We're praying that God would would enable them to come back and walk in the way of the truth. So the path that we walk is the truth and the error, the danger is departing from the truth, from beginning to live a life inconsistent with the truth, a life of lies instead of a life in the truth. And the solution that, that is presented here is really then to use the truth to confront someone who is straying or walking in unbelief, call them to turn from that, to repent and trust in Christ, to walk in to the way of the truth. One example that comes to mind is in Galatians 2. You may have heard this story that Paul tells in Galatians 2. You see, Peter had been preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, to those who were not Jewish. And he was preaching that we're saved not by becoming Jews, but we're saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we didn't have to go back and partake in all the ceremonial um laws of israel and the sacrifices and and like the covenant sign of circumcision all of these things that were part of the jewish history in the new covenant those things are set aside for we are now um under christ who is our faithful high priest and by his blood we are made clean and forgiven so we don't have to go back to those old things but in galatians 2 paul says that peter was kind of distancing himself from the gentiles and he was kind of hanging out with the jews and he was giving the impression that he agreed with their demands that the gentiles do the things that the jews did in order to be christians and paul rebukes him for that and uh because it was it was inconsistent with the true gospel you see peter for a moment was wandering off the path of truth regarding the gospel and was misrepresenting it by his actions. And Paul calls him to stop that, to repent. And we know that Peter goes on to be used mightily of the Lord. And so God used that instance in the life of Peter to turn him from a dangerous um, misrepresentation of the gospel. So that's a, a wonderful example of how someone is turned from error, turned from falsehood, and brought again to walk in the way of the truth. And as James says, by so doing, not only is their own soul saved from death, because a true Christian can't abide indefinitely in sin. They must come back. They must repent and return to Christ. Uh, This is evidence of, of truly being born of the Spirit. Their own soul is saved, he says, but also will cover a multitude of sins. You could imagine if Peter had gone on in that misrepresentation of the gospel, and had begun to teach that you had to keep all of the customs of the Jews and all of the, the, the ceremonial washings and sacrificial systems and the priesthood. And if He began to teach that the great damage and harm that would have been done to the early church. But by God's grace, he was brought back to the truth about the gospel. And as a result, a whole multitude of sins were covered or uh, were, were taken away if you will. So this really is a wonderful summary of the letter of James. And I pray that if there are people around you that are walking in falsehood, that are not living according to the word of God, that you would have courage and boldness to come to them with the scriptures and call them to believe upon Jesus, to trust in his word, and to walk in obedience to what he has commanded course, we can never force anyone to do this. And so we also pray that God would use our words and use his word to change their heart and to bring them back to the way of the truth. And we ourselves must be also watchful, as James said, to receive this implanted word that we should be in the scriptures often and praying that God give us um, growing faith and great trust in his promises. And above all, that our love for Christ would continue to increase and grow, remembering that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. We'll stop there for now. We'll pick up again next time. But thanks for joining for another episode of the Kids Way Podcast. Bye for now. But you, oh Lord, are a
0: sheep about me, my glory